Thank you for choosing Tox News, your only source into earning a higher education, going on a conquest through the social mobility ladder, and finding the American dream. I am your host, the, Amer- uh, uh, the, the American wacko weirdo rebel scum Jedi hero, depending on which side you sit upon. Today's date is June 14th, 2021, and we begin, as usual, with the Pledge of Allegiance, for I pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. Now, if you can hear it, I uh, am a bit under the weather, Uh, still on the recovery end, that's why there wasn't as many episodes last week, and then due to uh, working scheduling... Uh, for next week, I will be taking a hiatus. Hopefully also, too, kind of recalibrating this whole pod here. Uh, all right, so... Last week, I did not do a Militia Watch update. So this week, I'm going to do last week's today, and then... I think i'm going to do uh this week's tomorrow so maybe a slightly old and then for those who uh don't follow militia watch or who do follow militia watch update uh on your own this may be old to you but uh we continue nonetheless uh this is the unofficial militia watch update coming from militia.watch uh you can follow them on twitter at militia watch I do not uh, get requested or paid to do these updates. I just uh, like to. So we have a second person pleading guilty to J6 charges and the feds seek more. We have some J6 attendees blaming QAnon for their actions. And then we have a Texas Boogaloo adherent pleading guilty as well. So we have the never ending J6 updates. And it begins with a Florida man, Paul Allard Hodgkins, has pleaded Uh, pleaded guilty to charges against him related to J6. He notably was carrying a Trump flag and wearing a Trump t-shirt while wandering the U.S. Capitol building during the storming. He was photographed carrying the flag while standing on the Senate floor, the QAnon shaman standing at the desk behind him. Hodgkins is the second to plead guilty in J6 crimes, and his charge, obstruction of an official proceeding, is a felony that could net him up to 20 years and a quarter million dollar fine. Um, You know, I'm all for accountability, um, especially for those who may or may not have attempted insurrection on our capital. But uh, Donald Trump has faced uh, zero accountability for his actions involved in this. And so it's a, it's a shame that uh, Hodgkins can face 20 years while Donald Trump can continue influencing the Republican Party. Um, moving on, Joseph Hackett, another Florida man, was charged for his involvement in preparation for the storming of the Capitol. According to federal prosecutors, Hackett coordinated planning and travel to D.C. He is accused of conspiracy, obstruction of an official proceeding, destruction of government property, and uh, illegally entering a restricted building or grounds, uh, plus aiding and abetting on several of the same charges. That's very funny um, that they have evidence of Joseph Hackett coordinating, planning, uh, and traveling to D.C. where um, even Charlie Kirk had um, 
paid for buses to send Trump supporters to the Capitol that day. Um, so he could have, uh, he, he at least co uh, coordinated some traveling for a lot of people who are now facing charges while Charlie Kirk faces no accountability whatsoever as well. The update continues. The man who hit cops before shouting, quote, there is a second amendment behind us, unquote, as a taunt was just arrested this past week. Sean Michael McHugh now faces eight charges related to his actions in D.C. on January 6th. McHugh also allegedly shouted to police officers questions about them defending pedophiles and communists and used a megaphone to encourage the crowd of hyped conservatives outside the Capitol. Informal plea negotiations have also begun with oath keepers charged in the attack. Federal prosecutors say these discussions remain preliminary, but that they hope to fashion plea deals over the next month or two, allowing indictees to potentially turn over evidence or uh, evidence for other cases in exchange for lessened punishments. Some of those charged in J6 are blaming their actions on the misinformation around the 2020 election. Others are pointing to the far-right conspiracy theory QAnon, a set of strange theories merging anti-Semitic tropes, pseudoscience, numerology, and other general conspiracy notions about the world's elite. Notably, QAnon is a theory now believed by 14% of U.S. residents in a new poll, a number that expands to 25% of Republicans. That should be a concern to those of you who try to act in good faith in your civil discourse or your engagement with uh, Republicans or the Republican Party, which is also very fascinating to me because Joe Biden made it a very uh, large platform that he would work with Republicans in, you know, the government, whether it's the House, Senate and, you know, around the country. And uh, we're just ignoring that 25% of their base right now are steeped in a conspiracy theory that believes our elites are um, hosting a pedophilic ring and we are waiting for our Messiah to do something about it. Um, it's just not a healthy conspiracy theory, especially since at times it does have its anti-Semitic tropes kind of merge in there with uh, George Soros being the puppet master. So... Um, yeah, cool information. Uh, moving on, following J6, some experts are saying that many groups, including the Proud Boys, are struggling to find their footing due to fallout. Uh, this is sometimes, uh, this is something that uh, Militia Watch has also generally noticed among many groups we have historically tracked. So they have some other miscellaneous updates here. Solano County Sheriff Tom Ferreira announced he was running for re-election in 2022. Many members of Ferreira's department were revealed to be either members or sympathizers to the Three Percenters movement per an open Vallejo uh, investigation in February. Ferreira and some other representatives from the department ran a seemingly really, really light investigation before claiming they couldn't find any officers who were members of these groups. One of those found to be creating far-right crafts was none other than Chris Pratt's brother, a member of Ferreira's force. And we've talked about it a few times. Um, I don't know Chris Pratt's relationship with his brother, but his brother makes uh, word workings of three percenters, iconography and symbolism. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. And he's also a police officer, uh, a police officer who, you know, uh, moonlights as a right wing militia, woods craftsman so that's 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 a thing um 
A Michigan judge is weighing a BuzzFeed request for evidence regarding the Michigan Wolverine Watchmen leader, Barry Croft. Time will tell if the ask, which other news organizations have now joined, will be successful. Um, I would hope that Mich the Michigan judge would release that information or at least evidence so that the public can be more aware of these um, actors in their states and also around the country because the Wolverine Watchmen are not alone. And um, Bring the War Home by Catherine Blue is a uh, great read on the... Um, the evolution of the alt-right, at least since um, the Vietnam War with the resurgence of the KKK uh, just that recently in the 1970s. So I highly recommend that book. And it's very important that we really keep track of militias because the veil of anonymity or at least allowing them to work covertly is a very dangerous operation, especially too since they found... Um, solace and uh great leadership from donald trump you know they always talk about how donald trump represents the republicans and it doesn't really necessarily speak to all of the republicans that he speaks to uh, mainly because by highlighting that he's there for the moderate republicans or just the you know day-to-day -day average joe republican supporter is what really hides and coverts the more far right wing um organizations that threw their support under Donald Trump. So uh, continuing on, Tyler Light, a Texas-based Boogaloo adherent, pled guilty to illegal possession of a gun after he was arrested for domestic violence. He's at least the second Boogaloo-affiliated person to have ple uh, pleaded guilty in the last month, likely opening up the doors to a number of new charges against those that these indictees have associated with previously. And then they have further readings here, a review of those behind MyMilitia.com coming from MBEZ, MyMilitia.com being kind of a, uh, uh, I guess, like a, a center to the web of connecting people to militia groups. We have uh, from Mother Jones on potentially how we got to J6. And then from Mercury News, we have uh, Carrillo's Grizzly Scouts Boogaloo Cell. So there's further readings and the link to this update will be found in the description. So if you want to check those out, go to the description, go to militia.watch and check it out. So as for the content and uh, the segments that we're going through, there's two videos. Uh, one of them I'm just going to have to kind of like break down into uh, a 20 minute timer like on my my end. I'll time the video as if it's 20 minutes, react to it in that way um, because it's an hour long podcast from Dan Crenshaw's podcast and I'm not going to do the entire thing, um, but I did find interesting points in there. I just think setting a timer for 20 minutes will be a healthy, um, you know, medium. So, uh, but first we're going to begin with this PragerU video, which uh, starts with a clip from Bill Maher's show. Not a big fan of Bill Maher. The answer. Um, I think he's an elitist. Um, he's a liberal. Um, so he finds himself on the right side in certain areas of identity politics. Um, but for the most part, his elitism and his his Islamophobia are uh, real big turnoffs for me. So I'm not a huge fan of Bill Mar uh, Bill Maher. Uh, much rather watch John Oliver if I was going to pick a late night late night comedian who talks about politics. 
Uh, but that's just me. You know, if you've got different feels about Bill Maher, let me know in the comments. Otherwise, uh, just let it be known. Not a big fan. Isn't to make college free. The answer. Oh, hey. I feel like anything that's medium roast will be okay. Okay. What a price range? Um, like around ten dollars. Ten dollars for medium? Yeah. Okay. Just don't get anything you wouldn't get. Ah. All right, Bill. Sorry about that. Just ordering some coffee with the roomie. Let's uh, let's start this again. This video too is called uh, Bill Maher semicolon. Uh, college has become an outright scam. Um, not semicolon, but a colon. I, I'm sorry. Me being a little bit sick isn't putting me on my like best foot forward. But we'll 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 do with what we got. You feel me? We got it. The show goes on. The the machine never sleeps. It never gets sick. Neither can I. You know. All right. The answer isn't to make college free. The answer is to make it more unnecessary which it is for most jobs which it is for most jobs i would be very interested into seeing bill maher's opinion on which jobs those would be um i know we always make the case for like bill gates and mark zuckerberg who um dropped out of college because their immeasurable genius allowed them to create uh, innovative technology and software for the internet age as if that also doesn't sound very um, I don't know probabilistic in a lot of ways as if like you know the probability of you two being a Bill Gates or a Zuckerberg are incredibly low and also to the fact that like those companies Microsoft and Facebook tend to hire uh, people with uh, college degrees. The other thing that I find fascinating here too is that public schooling or at least regular schooling these days uh, aren't necessarily preparing uh, our children for the future labor force with like the level of automation that we're going towards and how mainly like the biggest jobs growing are in the technological sector and a lot of those are going to need college degrees, especially too if you're looking at like computer science or computer engineering. Um, even with like doing some IT, you have to do like some kind of education course. You know, I've seen IT classes that are like six months long, and you're paying a private entity to get that education. But it's very, it's very interesting here. Um, although like uh, college might not be the predominant uh requirement for most jobs as bill maher puts it but a level of training and skills and education might be so i don't like the blanket statement here of college unnecessary education who needs you know because also too like that's it's really like an argument only for people who can't you know consider college as a viable option which is mainly like poor people who can't afford it without a scholarship. Um, rich people aren't going to take Bill Maher's words into consideration, especially too, since they'll have like the certain connections where they might even benefit from nepotism, where their parents can get them a decent job in the sector. It just really like, it just really depends on the individual. Um, I don't want to go to college for me personally, 
but I do think it should be much more available because uh, higher education is pretty important to a society, I feel like, and having um, your people have the most access to education and even higher education just really benefits the, uh, you know, the public. So I, I can't argue the against the existence of college. What I do have a problem with is its structure. And then also on top of it, how much it costs for people to get higher education doesn't seem very fair. So I have problems with the education system. College, not just just the word college, the idea of college, the institution of college inherently, I don't have a problem with. Um, so those were those were literally getting just Bill Maher's like 12 seconds of college is dumb. And then Prager comes in after this. And we have a quote here. It says, you can't deny that Bill Maher has been speaking some sense lately. Uh, he's right on about the scam of college and why free college is a terrible idea i'm gonna tell you right now if you hear an argument for 12 seconds and you immediately agree with it then you probably didn't even like listen to the argument or need a full rationalized reasoned argument you just wanted to hear something that you agree with and that's that's not something that Prager you should just openly admit like we agree with him wholeheartedly those 12 seconds were the most truth that I have heard in my entire life um it's just not a great way to use your brain I know free college is a left-wing thing but is it really liberal for someone who doesn't go to college and makes less money to pay for people who do go and make more I'm asking yeah, uh, the excuse of the wealth distribution in this country isn't a great uh, argument against making college free because, you know, if if we if we make that argument, then we're also arguing that the poor neighborhood shouldn't be paying taxes because those taxes also to go into the rich public schools, I guess. Um, but again, that's like another redistribution argument. Like, why are those schools so much more heavily funded than the other schools? Um, and. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to be like, why should we allow free college through our taxes if rich people are going to benefit it from it too? That's, it's just not a good reason. Like, so what? Like, if so, what if a rich person can go to college on the same level as a poor person? Like that. That honestly, who cares? Um, I, I like. Are we just supposed to hate rich people so much that I'm like immediately supposed to be like, you're right. You're right. I should continue paying for college because then rich people would be able to go for free. That's not a that honestly that helps like n nobody on both sides of this and it still allows the argument of poor people not being able to go to college to keep going. It's not a solution. So, um it's a bad argument. A third of students now spend less than 5 hours a week studying and when they do it's for their owner as magnum cum bullshit course load of sports marketing history through Twitter, <laughs> advanced racist spotting, intro to microaggressions. And so I feel like sports marketing was the only real degree here. And furthering your argument by saying that um, people going to college right now are getting useless degrees and then following it up by making up those degrees. I get it. It's a comedy show. People got to laugh while they're there. But um, it just doesn't sell your point. 
Like, if people are going to college for whatever degree is offered to them, and that degree does lead into some form of a job in our current uh, market uh, system, like, then who cares? Like, we're raging against the individual freedom to take the courses that they see fit for their life um, to effectively argue against people making that choice at all. So, like, again, we're, like, barely a minute into this, and Bill Maher doesn't form a coherent or even good argument as to why we shouldn't support free college. The unfortunate thing here is, though, is that he's a comedian, so I can't take his words all too seriously, but he's speaking to a bunch of liberals and giving them, like, talking points that aren't actually, like, good arguments to make for this. So, um, yeah, I'm giving this... At r right now, I'm looking at a C minus. I I would grade it lower, but I feel like since we're so early on, I don't want to give him an, an F immediately. I just think this is like poor framing and really low brow uh, level of thinking. I'm so disappointed in Bill Maher every time I watch one of his videos. And you owe me an apology 101. <laughs> <laughs> Why is China kicking our ass? Because in 2019, we issued more undergrad degrees in visual and performing arts <laughs> than in computer and information science or math. The answer isn't... Yeah, but that also has a lot to do with our culture, and our culture really, like, elevates people within, like, the entertainment sphere. Um, there was a time in America where philosophers, poets... Um, they might not consider poets to be very important. I do. I think poetry is incredibly important to a society. Um, but, like, there were people who were known for what they did were on a different scale back then because of what our culture, you know, virtue signaled, what we what we saw fit as, like, the, 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 the ideal Americans and the great Americans, the archetypal Americans. Um, but nowadays with social media, the media, um, all of these are just mainly focused on a bunch of famous people who some don't even really do much to, in order to earn their uh, fame and income. So I feel like beating a uh, college down because yet again people are choosing to go with more uh degrees that usually are in the realm of entertaining people and um contributing to the culture further that's because that's what the the citizenry finds as important it finds as engaging so you can get mad about it if you really want to um but i think that's more of a cultural problem and not necessarily a free college problem so we're missing I feel like we're just not really having the, the discussion anymore because you don't like what Americans choose to, um, I guess, uh, master in. So that's yet again another lame excuse. To make college free. The answer is to make it more unnecessary, which it is for most jobs. I mean, I'm, Maybe the I'm just really curious now, and it's getting into a Prager use video, but I'm just curious. Percentage of American jobs that require college degrees. I'm just curious on this one out of my own pure curiosity. 
35% of job openings will require at least a bachelor's degree. 30% of the job openings will require some college or an associate's degree. 36% of the job openings will not require uh, education beyond high school. Dude, it's almost equivalent. You can't say most. Like, it's damn near equivalent. If it's 36% of the job openings that will will not require education beyond high school, and it's 35% of job openings will require at least a bachelor's degree, you're, look, you're not looking at most. Like, that's almost an equal level of the job market. And the thing is, though, is that the quality of the jobs, based on of whether you... Uh, uh, achieve a higher education like the quality of those jobs are also essential to this piece of argument so yeah you can get a job without a, co a college degree but is it a decent living is it dignified are you still kept at starvation wages do you have health care is there pto included like don't tell me that we're employing people and then and then you know completely remove the context of the quality of those jobs because that's just as important as people being employed all right, Bill. See, like, that's why I don't like Bill. He, he's he's literally just like the liberal Tucker Carlson who makes people laugh at times. Maybe the dumbest thing you can do is go to the place that's supposed to make you smart. That would be college. Now, perhaps I'm biased. I don't have a college degree, although I employ a lot of people who do. I don't have a college degree either, and um, I'm still here arguing on the opposite side of this. And from some of the most prestigious universities in the country. And it's also funny, too, that he said some of the people that I hire have uh, college degrees. Like, that's like that weird capitalist flex. Like, I employ people who have degrees. Look how unnecessary it is. But I also have to wonder, did he require those people that he employed to have those degrees? Curious country. I made a conscious choice. I had clear career ambitions, and I didn't see how a college degree was going to get me there. In retrospect, I'm confident I made the right decision. I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of a company called The Daily Wire. We publish news and commentary from a conservative point of view. We have well over 100 employees and an audience which numbers in the millions every single day. Yeah, if you don't know, Daily Wire is the platform that Ben Shapiro also co-founded. This is uh, Jeremy something, his his co-founder of Daily Wire. And uh, Ben Shapiro went to college. Um, so, you know, I would I would actually really enjoy Shapiro to to take this opportunity to explain why he wasted his time going to college so that he could open a business that didn't did not require it whatsoever. Now, I don't have a problem if you go to college. It's a free country. Do what you want. Yep. But the idea that somehow college is the great pathway to success and fulfillment, that I don't buy. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of on that same boat. But the thing is, is that education is incredibly important. And if you can have a higher educated populace, why the fuck not? So um, I don't really, like I said, I don't agree with the structure of college and I don't agree with the level of gatekeeping that it has that basically it's a pay to play system. Um, but it does offer higher education beyond our public system that I can't deny isn't useful in the world that is greater than most of us. So um, I, I can't outright say that higher education, the idea of it and people having access to it is 
inherently wrong or i can't even think of an argument as to why it would be wrong other than the fact that it just straps a like an entire generation the millennials to so much student debt that they'll never get out of the left takes a different view they are obsessed with higher education to them it's a human right and they want it to be free which just means education is a human right and so by saying something is higher education is like that's just that level it's it's almost like um speaks to like the the meritocracy in america and it's um just obsession of keeping things out of the access of poor people because really like if we just saw college as just education as in itself in the same way as like the european countries do so that their colleges are also uh free i think at least you know most of their community colleges are free so it's considered just to be education in itself um if we could just move those goalposts of the definition away from here's higher education and here's regular education and just call it all education because it's knowledge that people are um gaining and learning so that they can apply those skills in other areas of their life or in the job sector in their careers or whatever um i would be more interested in a society that only sees all education as higher education and offering it to its people because the more educated your populace the better off they will be but unfortunately i feel like the conservative party really feeds off of the uneducated base of the american uh you know electorate so um they 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 rail against higher education and you'll even see intellectuals like thomas soul tell you how you shouldn't listen to intellectuals that aren't Thomas Sowell because they're um, just indoctrinated by the higher educational system. They feed off of the ignorance of their 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 base, and that's why we see these videos of fuck college kids and fuck college and yeah. Paid for by people like me, for anyone who's 18 and can breathe. That makes perfect sense from their point of view. One. The idea is a big winner among young people, a critical voting block. Who doesn't want something for nothing, especially something that costs more than a Ferrari? And two, colleges exist to do one thing, create conformity of thought. And since- <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, again, that would be a problem of the structuring of our colleges, um, as if public school doesn't have that problem. Um, that's funny. Um, I don't agree with it. I think for the most part, too, a lot of people learn things in college that you don't learn in um, in public school. And that that's why you get so many Marxists coming out of college is because they don't hear about Marxism until they go to college. Um, I didn't hear about Marxism until, you know, people kept using it as a buzzword to talk about their own political agendas. And it, my own curiosity led me into finding out more for myself. But school will teach you the if you take an economics class, I'm sure um, John Smith and or not John Smith, <laughs> uh, Adam Smith and his polar opposite uh, Karl Marx. I'm sure they're taught because they both had um, incredible uh, thought provoking in-depth musings on the economic system of mercantile economics and capitalism. So I just I think it's very funny. Um, because not everybody comes out thinking uh, the same, especially too, like when you look at those who graduate with economics degrees, 
um, most of them come out um, agreeing with the capitalist economic system. You don't have as many uh, economic graduates floating into Marxism. It's really not a thing. Um, it's a smaller percentage of those who take economic courses coming out Marxist. It's actually a lot more rare. Um, so I don't know what they're actually talking about. What are they conforming to, you know? College professors and administrators overwhelmingly lean left. It's a pretty good bet most of their students will as well. But I'm being unfair. Yeah, but he's attributing that to like an indoctrination system that like they're being brainwashed into leftism, not that they use their own brains and the education that they received then push them left. That's not a possibility. No, they they're just getting brainwashed into it. Fair, you say. After all, we live in a knowledge based world and America isn't making the grade. Don't you know we rank 13th in the world in reading? 18th in science literacy, and a pitiful 37th in math? To which I say, so what? It wasn't Singapore that split the atom, or Estonia that mapped the human genome. America is number one in Nobel Prizes. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, <laughs> some of that technology that he highlighted was uh, like also attributed to like foreign um, immigrants who came here and helped us. Uh, figure that out and then also a bit of like exchange of information across the globe so it's like in america didn't solve those problems by themselves globalization helped a lot so that's funny awarded number one in scientific citations issued number one in popular entertainment and number one in tech number one in popular entertainment and then they bitch about all the people who are graduating with liberal arts degrees that's so funny that is, that's hilarious to me that they will then take the credit of like, well, we're also the number one in entertainment, but all of you who are graduating to contribute to that, I hate you for it. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Technological advancement. In short, America creates almost everything. Even what other countries may <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, man. American exceptionalism just highlighted there. Manufacture oh. was probably invented by an American which is why we're also the number one economy in the world by far. And who is is that true? I just want to see if there's like statistical data that says America is the number one economy. Um, number one economy in the world. Hmm. A lot of advertisements. All right, yeah. United States. United States, 20, uh, $25 trillion in 2024. Focus economics panelists see the U.S. retaining its title as the world's largest economy with a forecast for nominal GDP of uh, $25 trillion U.S. dollars in 2024. This is a prediction, um, so I guess... Yeah. So, yeah, the United States is the richest country in the world, followed by China and then Japan and then Germany and then India. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just always want to look that up because I always think like American exceptionalism just like constantly says that we're the greatest all the time. So I want to see like other people at least confirm it. Who made this possible? Well, here are the names of just a few of the individuals who pretty much invented the modern world. Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, 
Steve Jobs, Michael Dell, and Larry Ellison. None of them has a college degree. Many of the CEOs... But a lot of them did receive information, knowledge, or education that are on the level of what you would be taught in college. Um, but we can't really highlight exceptional people, especially, too, if like they're like bona fide geniuses. It's not fair to compare every American to say, hey, you too can create a company from your garage. Like, it's not always going to be the case, especially when you're dealing with the like limited amount of information that you have. Yes, somebody can use the internet to um, get the same education that colleges would offer, but you also have to have the same amount of time and effort to do so. People working 40-hour jobs or more may not be able to use YouTube College or YouTube University to um, achieve that uh, just based on the amount of free time that they have. Uh, it's, it's just not fair to compare individuals to Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, and Steve Jobs. That's, that's honestly like getting every scientist and being like, why can't you make the same kind of discovery as Albert Einstein? You know, it's, uh, it's just not a fair level of comparison. EOs who run the companies they created do have college degrees. Oh, isn't that interesting? The CEOs of the companies that they run do have college degrees. So yet we still are arguing that college degrees are effectively useless, although the people who work for these companies created by geniuses, um, they have college degrees. Isn't that weird? But the founders do not. What they do have are things colleges can't teach you curiosity, ambition, and a willingness to fail. Yeah, but even if you have those things, if you have curiosity, ambition, and willingness to fail, you can still take that to college and gain your, uh, you know, gain more education, more knowledge, more information. You can still do all of that. The unfortunate thing here is, again, I disagree with the structure of it, putting it behind a paywall and making it effectively, um, like, impossible for a lot of poor people to achieve that level. So it's it's not higher education's fault for existing. It's the access to it, which we keep behind a gate for a lot of rich people to benefit while poor people only see it as some kind of lofty dream or something that pumps out a bunch of people who hate us i don't i like the, the framing of this is just like really upsetting and it does nothing for the public good um it, it, it it's just an arguing case of like why should we make college free when we should just get rid of college <laughs> and it's and then they don't really make the effective case of as to like why people would be getting college degrees and getting ceo level jobs at fucking apple facebook and microsoft and while like the people who don't get college degrees are probably manufacturing the phones or working on doing the surveys for Facebook or answering the phone centers, like the calls at the phone centers. So it's just dumb. This is just dumb. And it's 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 gatekeeping. It's elitist. It's I, I hate everything about this. It does nothing to solve the educational problems in the United States and only goes to bitch about how we just have education. Those qualities almost guarantee success. A college diploma doesn't. Want to build an airplane? Engineers educated in aerodynamics are handy to have on your team. Want to invent the airplane? Well, you're better off finding a couple of restless bicycle repairmen. That's what the Wright brothers were. 
still they had a lot more information than like a regular person would and they had a lot of time and resources there's there's so much context to how they could achieve that without a college degree that we're missing here so i don't want to hear that two dudes who didn't go to college achieved flight like there's so much more information that they had that they probably could have uh, received from a college education that they received from something else so i really don't want to hear that argument it's not that colleges aren't teaching it's that too often they're teaching the wrong things, or they're teaching the right things the wrong way. Tech entrepreneur David Galerner says, the thing I don't look for in a developer is a degree in computer science. Quite a statement from a man who teaches computer science at Yale. Tech billionaire and- that, that almost seems contradictory. Like he's teaching a class and then he proceeds to be like, but I, would, I wouldn't hire any of you based on you being here in this class. And it, it's fair because there are people who, like I said, don't get the college degrees, do have this information, have the education, and can probably do the same amount of work as somebody who does have a college degree. But the college offers training to people who don't have those resources or education initially or that information. But by keeping it behind a pay-to-play gatekeeping kind of structure, you're still effectively blocking a lot of other people who would need to get that access to get that information. So I don't really like the, the we're, we're building a wall around education, allowing rich people to come in and then arguing the case to poor people why they can go educate themselves and do it without college while everyone else benefits from the education that comes from college. It's just not a healthy dichotomy here. Like this isn't good. None of, none of this argument benefits anybody. Co-founder of PayPal, Peter Thiel, actually pays people not to go to college. Thiel and Galerner understand that colleges are factories. And like all factories, they want to produce a consistent product. That means producing people who all think alike. But innovation and entrepreneurship require people who think differently. Innovators innovate. Colleges teach those innovations after the fact. If professors could have taught engineers how to build the airplane in 1903, professors would have built the airplane before 1903. They would have invented the- It's very funny to me because they do now teach kids in schools how to build fucking planes based off the knowledge of those dudes who figured it out earlier on, as if they still didn't learn anything themselves and had to spend immense amount of time trying to like trial and error of how the plane works and like there's just oh god this is so dumb this is so dumb college is not inherently the problem the structure around it is personal computer microsoft and social media too and it's not only big tech where this applies 56 percent of all small business owners in the united states don't have a four-year degree that's right the majority of small business owners who employ more than half of american workers either never went to or never finished college. Because you don't need like as much, like you don't need that much of an education to really understand what you're doing on that level. Like you can, you can achieve a lot small business wise with your street knowledge and experience. Um, but there's still like, you can't really, <sighs> there is a level of college that offers a stepping stone to people to elevate themselves into higher education so this argument is just like really piss poor because it's arguing and like telling people that you shouldn't seek knowledge like you should just go out in the world and get the experience and just do you um which you know you can you can do that 
I just think that, you know, somebody teaching you, having mentors and being offered information that you wouldn't be offered normally in a lot of circumstances is pretty beneficial, especially, too, if we don't keep it behind a paywall and allow access to it to a lot of people who are on varying levels of income. What all of this says to me is that while college is useful for some people, it's by no means necessary for all. And it's hardly essential for economic success not for the individual. Yeah, but making it free doesn't make it, you know, like necessary, you know, but it does allow people who want to move upwards in the economic ladder and then also achieve, uh, you know, a piece of paper that allows them to apply to jobs that they wouldn't have been able to apply to before. Um, allowing that more access doesn't harm anybody. And not for the nation. No one is being deprived of the opportunity to succeed simply because they can't afford a university's steep price tag. They are, though, because I went through the numbers. Even though 35% of jobs don't require, or 36% don't require higher education beyond high school, 35% jobs do, and those jobs might offer better benefits than the 36% that don't. So, like, don't give me that shit. Like, being employed isn't as important as the quality of that em employment. Do not give me that shit. In fact, if you go to college, there's a good chance you'll be taught how not to succeed. If I were you, I'd think long and hard before paying for that. I'm Jeremy Boring for Prager University. Like, he really just fed on, like, the conservatives' disdain for a lot of, like, liberals that come out of college. Um, the whole, like, propaganda around critical race theory right now. The anti-intellectualism that authoritarians constantly thrive on. They're just feeding off of that and not really building a case on how getting a higher education can actually harm you. Other than it creating a, conf a conformity of thought, even though they didn't give examples or explain that at all. They're just feeding off of you already thinking that to argue why you should remain where you're at and just create a business just go full entrepreneur because you're more likely to succeed if you just entrepreneur shit rather than chasing knowledge and information like come on but i find it very interesting to juxtapose it to this video all right here um this comes from dan krenshaw's podcast it's called um Hold these truths. Um, I'm going to fast forward here a little bit to uh, the introduction of his guest. And then uh, I'm just going to get my timer here ready because we're not doing this whole episode. I'm going to do 20 minutes of the video. So that means when I pause the video, I'm also going to pause the timer to make sure I get 20 minutes of content from the video. Um, so that might mean that 20 minutes, we could be looking at the next like 40 minutes for this to dissect all the bullshit that they go through. But um, I do find it interesting in some of these points uh, and we'll get into that. But let's let's begin. Meow. Privilege of having uh, Richard A. Johnson with us. He's the director of Texas Public Policy Foundation's Booker T. Washington Initiative. Uh, which examines primarily the effects of public policy on African-American communities. Richard, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Cong Congressman, for having me. I'm really delighted to be here and excited to talk about some of the things we're doing with the uh, Texas Public Policy Foundation along with the Booker T. Washington Initiative. I love it. I love it. Let me, let me tell people your history real quick, if you don't mind. Um, 
this is a, it's a long and an amazing resume. So it, it's going to take a little bit, but it's important that people know your your credentials. So you were a chief of staff uh, for a Houston City Council member. Uh, you've played significant roles in drafting policies related to public safety, public works, housing, community development. Uh, during the 85th and 86th Texas legislative sessions, you were chief of staff and senior policy analyst for a House member. You've worked on education, again, public safety, health care, workforce development. So this is what I have to say about um, Richard A. Johnson here is that he is an incredibly um, like well-experienced, well-educated person in this sphere so i'm not claiming that i know anything more than this man i'm just trying to at least rebuttal what he says a bit because it doesn't seem that den cranshaw comes in with any critical thinking points here whatsoever it's just both of them agreeing with each other for the most part which isn't inherently wrong but i think when we're at a time where we're at in this country discourse between both sides who see two different solutions to the same problems i think benefits a lot more than just agreeing outright with one side and what they're saying all right so please continue legislation uh you have a phd in education you've been an educator for more than 20 years uh done teaching done research uh, at the university of texas mental science institute uh, studying the efficacy of counseling and, and pharmacological therapy on cocaine and heroin addicts. You've, uh, you've counseled adolescent males, uh, Academy for Troubled Boys. Um, you're a Texas native, grew up in Houston's Fifth Ward, and uh, you graduated from Wiley College, bachelor's in history and government, and uh, you also in the Army. I uh, was just asking about that before we started recording. You joined in 85. Uh, you were a sergeant. And uh, following active duty, got a master's in clinical psychology and then a doctorate in education. And uh, also president of Louisiana, Louisiana Prison Chapel Foundation, building more than 20 churches inside of prison walls. So just uh, really, really appreciate you being with us and, um, and sharing with us your insights on, on, on these topics that are just front and center for Americans these days, which is race relations in America. Um, police and community relations in America. And, and frankly, this this entire discussion of, of where we're at as a country um, with, with respect to to race, and it's, it's a taboo topic generally, but I think it's becoming less so. I, I don't think we have a choice. I think we just have to, to talk about it and, 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 and find the truth in there. And, and look, what it, what, it, what it all comes down to fundamentally is there, there are communities and it's usually commu- and it's overwhelmingly communities of color that have just been left behind for for some reason. Now the left likes to blame that 100% on race and, and systemic racism. And my goal generally is to is to look past that a little bit and say look okay that's fine that but we're ghost hunting if we're if we're blaming systemic racism because you can't wrap your hands around that. Um, what you can do is talk about development, education, healthcare, business investment. These are things we can wrap our arms around and it, it seems the thing I want to highlight here is that th- although those are the things that we have to wrap around ourselves on issues of today, those issues of today have still been issues of the past. 
So without acknowledging of what we've done in the past to alleviate these issues or at least try to solve these problems, um, sometimes we have to analyze how we did it before so that we can better uh, look ahead and do uh, better actions. So without acknowledging the systemic racism and uh, you know plague of white supremacy and a lot of policies throughout the history of America, um, it's not ideal to continue on without looking at those critically and making sure that we're avoiding uh, the repeat of history. So um, I do agree that all of these issues are still issues of today, but um, by saying that we have to ignore what happened in the past around these same issues just actually isn't, uh, I find it like counterproductive, regressive, and almost toxic, mainly because you're just ignoring the white supremacy problem that still persists because we haven't always dealt with it in the best possible means throughout history. So to me that's some of the things you focus on so um maybe we could start there as far as your, your general philosophy on, on on how we look to help these communities because i think we all do and what's the best way to do it and what have we done wrong in the past and how can we learn from that yeah i think the the first step is to to look at um look at the civil rights act of 1964. <clears throat> and if we look at the civil rights act of 1964 you know, the the idea of critical race theory was not a a, a weapon or, a, or the sword of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, nor was it a sword of Dr. Martin Luther King or the SCLC or the NAACP or any, any groups fighting for equality. <clears throat> and it's, it's because the cri critical race theory uh, the father of critical race theory is critical legal theory. And the grandfather of critical legal theory is Marxism. And so basically that has never been the aim of, of uh, I, I, I don't I don't think I've ever heard that Marxism was a uh, brainchild of critical legal theory. Um, I am pretty sure that Marxism is an uh, analysis of the capitalist economic system um you know in coming at that critically so uh i'm not really sure um maybe maybe i'll google it right now but i don't think that's true so uh, i'll look it up real quick of the civil rights movement in america our our mantra was e equal opportunity not equity mm -hmm. equal opportunity and there's a difference and so when we talk about critical race theory, we, we need to combat that with the one race theory of the civil rights movement. See, the civil rights movement believed in one race theory. A colorblind, a, a truly colorblind society. There's only one race on the planet. That's the human. I mean, I would like to achieve the point where, you know, human race is the only race, but, you know, we're just not there yet because we haven't sufficiently dealt with the uh, white supremacy that has ruled the country here, the United States, for hundreds of years. I mean, it's plagued the planet for a minute, so. Um, but critical legal studies is a school of critical theory that first emerged as a movement in the United States during the 1970s, which is around the same time as critical race theory. So it's actually even harder for me to agree here because um, critical race theory started at the same time in the 1970s. So I, I don't think that these t like it gave birth to that. It seems that they're almost like twins. Um, 
Critical legal studies adherents claim that laws are used to maintain the status quo of society's power structures, which is the same thing that critical race theory is attempting to do, is that uh, it, it, it looks at the uh, societal and policies or the society and its policies uh, to whether or not it's used to maintain white supremacy. Um, the definition continues. It is also held that the law is codified is a codified form of society's biases against marginalized groups. So even this uh, encompasses a bit of uh, intersectionality, uh, admitting here that a lot of our policies tend to uh, move uh, against marginalized groups. Despite wide variation in the opinions of critical legal scholars around the world, there is general consensus regarding the key goals of critical legal studies. One, to demonstrate the ambiguity and possible preferential outcomes of supposedly impartial and rigid legal doctrines. Two, to publicize historical, uh, historical social, economic, and psychological results of legal decisions. Two, de uh, and three, to demystify legal analysis and legal culture in order to impose transparency to legal processes so that they earn the general support of social, uh, socially responsible citizens. I, uh, I'm still not seeing the connection to Marxism. Okay, the British critical legal studies movement started roughly at a similar time as its American counterpart. However, it's centered around a number of conferences held annually, particularly the Critical Legal uh, Conference and the National Critical Lawyers Group. There remain a number of fault lines in the community between theory and practice, between those who look to Marxism and those who worked on deconstruction, between those who look to explicitly, poli uh, explicitly political engagements and those who work in aesthetics and ethics. Yep, still not getting how Marxism gave birth to this. So, um, it's just, it's one of those right-wing talking points, too, that anything that came out of academia that uh, critiques uh, the United States, you know, even slightly, it's probably Marxist and communist propaganda. So, that's cool. Human race. See, Martin Luther King said, one cannot begin to live until he can rise above the narrow confinements of his own individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity. Martin had left that space of race and, 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 as, and using race to be a victim. Mm -hmm. See, Martin had gotten into the space of dealing with, you know, the human race. And when you realize that there is only one race of people then if you say, well, uh, and then, but in order to do that, you know, my pastor, George Foreman, always likes to say, hey, man, you have to sit on the moon. You have to get up, you know, 239,000 uh, miles and then look down at the planet Earth and say, hey, are you concerned with this group, this group, or this group, or are you concerned with the whole human race? Mm -hmm. And see, once we get into being mm -hmm. concerned about the whole human race, this color stuff really doesn't work. And I often tell people, Congressman, that no horse wins a race looking back. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, when you see those horses line up to run a race, they have blinders on. They don't even want to look side to side. They want to look straight ahead. So we have grown. Of course, uh, there are people who have not grown in America who still focus on race. But there are folks, America is not racist. 
are there people in America who are so small and think so small that they and, and they're 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 narrowed down? In- I'm gonna be honest right now. It's not a fair uh, statement to say that America is racist because there are um, characteristics within America that um, it, it that it's not racist, especially when you look to the civil rights movement. You can't call that a racist movement because that movement was looking towards ending the discrimination against people based on race or even uh, um, uh, gender equality because of the women's suffrage. Um, but the thing is, is that like you can't equally say that America isn't racist either, mainly because we've had a bunch of organizations and movements to keep marginalized people marginalized. So um, those those statements, like America is both uh, racist and not racist, because while we do have movements to counterbalance the racism, we still have the racism to counterbalance the anti-racism. So America is both things. Um, not not acknowledging that is um, pretty lame brain, I would say. It, it's pretty pretty obvious to, to see the United States and see that parts of it are anti-racist and looking towards social justice, while all the other parts of it are looking towards political incorrectness in order to balance out that power issue and hold on to white supremacy. Into these little pin, you know, these little pinheads of, of, of the way they see the world and and the only way they see it is through race, then they buy in the critical race theory. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fundamentally what critical race theory is. I mean, to, to define it, it's all problems are viewed through the lens of race. And, the, and every- But then that would also be saying that critical legal theory is looking at all problems that are, uh, all problems are legal problems. And that's not true. They're looking specifically at laws to see if they are affecting people disproportionately as the same way that critical race theory are looking at policies and social issues to see if they uh, harm people racially. So it's it's not to look at everything through uh, racism. Like if I'm looking at this law, I have to look at it through the perspective of a black person and think about whether or not I should be mad. I have to look at it with my own lens, being a brown mutt in America, of whether or not I also can sense this law, not sense this law, or deduce whether or not this law or policy or social structure is disproportionately harming a certain group of America. It's not oh, I have to be a certain race or I have to acknowledge it through my race. No, you can look at it and see whether or not it's affecting certain groups. That's that's the point of it. And it's very funny to me because every time right-wingers try to define critical race theory, they either do it wrong or they just can't do it at all. So, amazing. Every every <laughs> every outcome has a, has a cause and that cause is race. It seems to be no matter what. And there's just simply no escaping from that. And it, no, it again, like it's looking at we have a cause. Does the does the effect affect people racially? Does it affect people gen, uh, with b- based on their gender? Does it affect people based on their ideology? Does it affect people based on their class? Does it affect people based on their religion? All of these things aren't a part of critical race theory itself, but are all a part of critical theory. So like when you take in 
intersectionality into it, you do look beyond critical race theory, but critical race theory still has its applications, mainly because throughout history, a lot of policies have been enacted based on white supremacy. So it again, we're just mischaracterizing here and furthering the argument, uh, not even an argument, this discussion, because they, they agree with each other. And it also means you can never solve it. It's, it's sort of a cop out. Yeah, really? you know, my, my grandfather was a farmer in Louisiana, plus he fought in World War One, and uh, my dad fought in the Korean War. <clears throat> and so my, my grandfather used to always say, son, you have to have more than one tool in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. I said, what do you mean by that? <clears throat> he said, well, <clears throat> if you think, if you only have a hammer in your toolbox, then the solution to every problem to you is a nail. So if all, and I tell my friends over NAACP about that all the time, I say, hey, man, you guys only have one ham, one tool in your toolbox. That's racism. So every, every. So here's the thing is that critical race theory is only one form of critical theory. Critical legal studies, as he even acknowledged the existence of earlier, also too does exist. So like we're, it's not one or the other, like they're only applied when being used. So to like, don't come at me with this bullshit of it being one or the other, because also too, like you're just uh, effectively blaming everybody of reductionism. When of course, in certain applications of certain policies and laws, that's exactly what happened. The war on drugs reduced it down to focusing on black communities and anti-war sentiments. It was reduced to attacking certain groups and you have to analyze exactly the outcome of that and how it affected those groups. And you use critical legal studies or critical race theory to do that. So don't give me this bullshit that it's only one or the other because you're framing the argument. Thank you. The solution Yikes. is to fight Fuck. it through the lens of race. But look, man, when I woke up this morning and I looked outside... And, and like the worst part is, is that we're using the appeal to authority, a basic logic fallacy, by having Richard Johnson using his own experience to, um, I guess, certify and justify what Dan Crenshaw is saying and what a lot of conservatives are saying. He himself is a conservative as well. So they're both using their appeal of authority to uh, basically get this across as if it is uh, vir- like uh, virtually true. And it's just not because you have to use misframing in order to get to your finish line. And I saw that it was doing a little raining out there. <clears throat> I didn't say, well, you know, they probably figured out how to make it rain just on on on, on the African American community. They, yeah. they this racist had this is racist. Right. It's a belief that nobody else possibly confronts these issues, whatever that issue may be, which is fundamentally false. Now again, but the counter argument would be the black community faces it at disproportionate levels, whether it's you know, okay, so I had a discussion recently uh, with a friend and, and we were talking about that there's a higher there's a higher, um, either I can't remember what it was, either infant mortality or, or a mother um, fat- fatality rate post birth, and uh, there's a higher rate in you know in the third ward, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and I'm like, well, there's probably a lot of complicated reasons for that. Some of which might be behavioral prior to birth. Some of you know who knows. There's it's it's something that needs to be looked at for sure, um, and uh, the, but the answer was. Well, it's clearly systemic racism. I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? And, and well, education, people don't, you know, well, well, the, the argument was behavioral choices are, are 100% a, a, 
caused by systemic racism. And this sort of blew my mind. I, I can't wrap my head around that, but, but that was, that's the case being made because the argument goes behavioral choices are a result of poor education and poor education is a result of, of the thing that you cannot ignore here is that personal choices are heavily affected by the environment around you. You cannot make your choices outside of your environment. So if you cannot acknowledge that the environment also too has an influence on somebody's personal choices, then you are not having a good faith discussion and I must dismiss you immediately because there's no point in talking to somebody who's that disingenuous. All right. Of intergenerational poverty, which is a result of, of redlining and, and, and things like that. So, so how do you respond? Yeah, to yeah I think they're overthinking. You're from that. you're from this area, yeah, so no, no, like, no, no. let me tell you, let me, I, let me tell you, really, where I, I was born in Fifth Ward, you know, which is all black community, and I was born in an all black hospital, and uh, I was born in the '60s. I was born in 1961. You don't look and, that old. And uh, thank you, my friend. That's you're so kind. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I was, uh, and I attended. I lived in an all black community. And I attended all black schools and I have three degrees from historically black colleges. And let me tell you, racism is not our number one problem in the black community. The public enemy number one is, edu is, is, is ignorance, education. Boom. After we just went through a, like a really long video arguing against people getting an education, this man admits right here that one of the biggest problems plaguing the black community is education. I love it. See, that's public enemy number one. But it didn't just start now. I mean, if you look at the prophet Hosea, he said, my people perish for what? The lack of knowledge. And so what we have to do now is be open to education and appropriate education. Carter G. Woodson in 1935 in his book, The Miseducation of the Negro, Dr. Dr. Carter G. Woodson said, hey, we're being miseducated. Education is a problem in our community in 1935. If you read his book today, you, it, it'll sound like Dr. Woodson is talking to you in this very moment. Yeah. You know, we have to be educated. And then God forbid, if you use critical race theory to analyze why maybe the black community needed higher education or better education back in the 1930s. God forbid. On the right things. The reason why I got a doctorate degree in education, because I saw that there was a correlation between uh, a failing education system and a thriving criminal justice system. Yeah. And so, but that's not, the onus does not lie on race. Let me, let me be very clear. It, does, it doesn't, there's, white people are not making us not be educated. And, and, but that's the argument, right? It's like yeah. the, uh, like the, yeah, the, but the, that, the system has created a, a, a situation where you can't get educated. You might want to, but you just can't. I mean, what do you say? Yeah, that? but, but that's, that, that is, that is not the truth. It, because right now, if you look at, at HISD, HISD, the, the chairman of, of the school board is an African-American female. Mm -hmm. If you look at the, the congressperson for that area, it's going to be an African-American female. If you look at the county commission, an African-American male. If you look at the, the state. I wonder if they went to college. State reps, they're all African. If you look at the city council members, they're all African-American. So the all of, yeah. all of, and the mayor. So if you have a whole city of leaders in every political subdivision that are African-American, then why is appropriate education still a problem in the African-American community? And, and by the way, that's the same. Because they're a smaller percentage of the like of the entire population. Because it, it, if, it, if, if they were the higher, if they were in the higher percentile of the population, you know, maybe 
let's 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 be genuine or generous here like 55 percent if they if those people made up 55 percent of the black community it wouldn't be so much as a problem but they they aren't they're smaller than that i mean I, my guess would be is like 10 percent or less so like i like let's not you know i let, let's honestly not i guess i should get the numbers because i i might be sounding a little bit racist here um in any of this is racist honestly percentage of black americans with college degrees Ugh. Hmm. <laughs> More than 4.5 million African Americans now hold a four-year college degree. That's not a percentage for me. So in 2008, 19.6% of all African American over uh americans over the age of 25 held a college degree the figure has increased significantly from 13.8 percent in 1996 and 11.3 percent in 1990 that's uh that's uh that's good overall uh 32.6 percent of the non-hispanic white population over the age of 25 holds a college degree but then there's that so although african americans 19.6 are achieving um we're looking at 32.6 of non-Hispanic white people. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, mo there's a lot more like uh, information gathering and research to develop the you know s many socio-political issues as to why that is. But um, yep, yep. So yeah, still white more white kids going to college than or graduating college than the black community. But of course, as the right-wingers usually do, that's a problem of culture and not any systemic problem, so. Same case for a lot of major cities. Sure, sure. A lot of sure. what you just described but, 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 but Baltimore, see, you know, yeah. Chicago. But, but here's, my big, here's my big argument. This has been my big argument, and folks up at, in Austin will tell you this is my big argument. CRT has sucked all the air out of the room. How many people know what CTE is? We yeah, know career we, and technical education. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's so important. Career and technology education. So important. Right now, 95% of the students uh, who participate. In. Yeah. There you go, my friend. Yes, sir. Uh, it's up to you. I don't really care. <laughs> um, I was just looking this up real quick. The average tuition for CTE is about $4,000 per year uh, compared to $15,000 at private two-year colleges. So, I mean, somebody who would pursue that would get, like, a little bit of debt because I can't imagine a lot of people, like, you know, most percentage of America doesn't even have $400 in their savings account, so them spending $4,000 outright to get uh, CTE training, uh, I don't see that. So that's a little bit of debt, $15,000. That's not bad, 
it's not a bad amount of debt for some job training, but um, again, I have to question the quality of those jobs for me to agree. Thank you, sir. Um, I don't know. You can do 13 or 14. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're just getting some food. Anyways, um, I, I, I would say that, like, it's not a bad amount of debt, especially, too, since a lot of those jobs can increase your level of income. Um, it's just like there it's still highlighting how education is a necessity. And imagine if rather than having private college, um, putting a paywall of 15,000 for those people to achieve uh, the, the goals that we are now setting in this podcast. Um, if it was free and more accessible, how many more people would actually fucking do it? As what we call concentrators, take two or more CTE courses, 95% of them graduate. And of that 95%, for those folks who think that they're just learning trades and not going to go to college, of that 95%, 70% go on and get a post-secondary education. Wow. I love it. I love that Richard Johnson here is talking about how great it is that, 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 that they go to pursue a college education after that training. After just watching Bill Maher and that uh, and Jeremy Boring from Daily Wire, two overly privileged white men arguing against the case for anybody going to college. That's awesome. As a stackable on the certification that they receive. So when we have high dropout areas, what we call what we call dropout factories or that create the school to prison pipeline, it, why aren't we? opening up the door and promoting and pushing career technology education. That has been my fight for 20 years. We have a pretty, we do a pretty decent job of that in Texas. It could certainly be improved. I mean, I fully agree. I mean, I, you know, I, I encourage people all the time, you know, you, you, some of the four year degree in liberal arts might work for you. Okay. It worked for me. Then again, I was also planning on going in the military. I was doing ROTC. So, but you need a skill and, and you know what, maybe don't pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for it. And, or a lot of debt for four years, you can get that skill in six months and then make 75 K welding pipes. Let me tell you something. We do an excellent job in Texas. We do a abysmal job in Houston. Okay. Okay. Tell me and about in that. Dallas and in Fort Worth and in San Antonio. <laughs> so the major and, cities and, and in Austin, Urban centers. Yeah, we do a suburban areas have yeah, really yeah. exceptional programs around exactly. Houston. Exactly. But so inner city does. But if you so if you look that. over if you look over in in Representative Allen's district now she she has a doctorate in education too and she she comes out of the education sphere space mm -hmm. you know she's very close with the teachers union so that that means they don't want very much change mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> but if you look at her district. Less than 10% of the students in her district engage in CTE. Huh. 9%, one of the lowest in the state of Texas. But Sunnyside is also in her district, which has been named the sixth most dangerous neighborhood in America to live in, where the crime rates are high, wow. dropout rates are high, student success is low. Why aren't we changing the mindset out there saying look not every kid even wants to go to college mm -hmm. 
And they're trying to survive in high school, let alone think about college. Exactly. And so why not open up the trades and say, look, what we'll do is have paid internships and paid apprenticeships for those students who are excelling in the trades and bring industry back in and connect it in those areas so that we can so that kids can graduate. And if they want to go right in the industry, go right in the industry. If they want to go to college and university, go there, but so don't go to prison. I, I want to ask you two questions, somewhat related, but very different answers. So what, what causes, again, you know, just going back to the source of a problem, um, you said, you know, we haven't figured out how to, how to get better development in, in these, or, or get better education, to change the culture of education in these communities. Why is that? Is it, is it crime? Is it broken families? You know, what, what is the source there? And then my, the second question is, what kind of legislation policy changes will we need to get to what you're talking about where, where kids are actually, it sounds like they have the option to do CTE, but they, but they don't take it up. Uh, so how do we change that? I'm going to ask, the first answer is very short, you know, and the first answer is leadership. That's the answer. And uh, because I asked that same question when I was working on my doctorate degree mm -hmm. with the former U.S. Secretary of Education, I did my internship under Dr. Rod Page. Mm -hmm. And I asked Dr. Page the same question you just asked me. And he looked at me and he said, leadership. <clears throat> he, said, so number one, that. he said, number one, you have to change leadership or you have to change the mindset of leadership. Because if you have all of your leaders saying that you should prepare your kids to go and, and get a college degree, you know, a bachelor's, master's, and doctorate degree. Otherwise, you, your fail, education is a failure. So all of, the, all of the policies that come out of our leadership on every political jurisdiction is telling the kids become college ready. Mm -hmm. Nothing is saying, very, really nothing is saying become career ready. Yeah. Yeah. You see, it, because what happens if I don't go to college, which which it has never been the case for education to send everybody to school and get a degree in liberal arts and sciences. The, the foundation of education is to do one thing and one thing only is to prepare America, American students to provide a highly trained and highly skilled workforce for America, period. Yeah. In every and then that's the biggest bummer that I could honestly hear from this entire episode. I was I was silent until that point, and it's just the biggest bummer ever to hear that the only point to education is so that we have a strong workforce. Um, it's just the the model of production that capitalism demands is that everybody is constantly producing. Um, I think it's very unfortunate because I think education should be something uh, you know a little bit wider than. Um, you know, just your job. I feel like the the limited amount of time on this planet that we all have shouldn't be dedicated to so much production. Our level of production, I feel like, is insane and hysterical. Um, so I think it's very unfortunate that we highlight here that the most important part of education is that we have a strong workforce and nothing more. Um, it's um, very unfortunate, and it really even speaks to how much of our leaders really see a lot of the working class and the uh, even supporting electoral uh, base is just a bunch of, uh, you know, productive robots so that we just need a bunch of people on the production lines, whether it's, you know, producing uh, content on Facebook or making sure that the app works or, you know, producing shoes, whatever it may be. We just need to have them all ready to work. That's it.
That's that's the whole goal of education. And I think that's a very unfortunate outlook on what education should be. Um, but that's kind of where we're at, because we're looking at a bunch of nations who are doing nothing but competing with each other for the global market system. And uh, the rest of us are just forced to be pawns in their in, in their uh, Game of Thrones. It's a uh, it's 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 a shit reason to uh, argue the case for education. I think it should be much more important to a human's uh, self-actualization and their um, connection with uh, the broader society. So or even the broader existence of the rest of life. So this is an unfortunate framing and uh, outlook on the world here coming from the right wing conservative. Field of human endeavor. That includes plumbing, that includes uh, electrical engineering, that, that, that includes welding, construction, every field of human endeavor. And all of those things are very important. Like we need people that have those skills. But as we're looking into the technological advancements that we're coming into in the 21st century and then ones that will evolve in the 22nd century is that a lot of these jobs that he named will actually be uh, automated. I shit you not. I don't even I, I know you're not expecting like for uh, people to have like uh, computers and robots to figure out your plumbing, but they are much more efficient and much more um, uh, capable uh, and reliable than human beings can be at this job. Um, it may be necessary to have people to fix those robots, but even eventually, too, we'll have robots to fix the robots who will have robots to fix the robots, because the level of automation that we will see in the future will achieve Wally levels. Um, that, that, that was, uh, an, an exaggerated child's movie, but at the same time too, we are looking at technology and AI being so advanced that we will have operating systems for a lot of menial jobs and we will effectively make a lot of this C CTE schooling effectively useless for, uh, you know, large swaths of America. Um, so, you know, we can argue that case and get a lot of people in those sectors now because we need them. They're necessary. Uh, that's, uh, it, the jobs that he's, uh, listing off are very much essential work. Um, but again, too, like, uh, you know, having people to do those jobs also sucks because they get alienated from their work. They don't feel the the purpose all of the time and uh not having the means of production being within their grasp um that that alienation only drives them further into the job just being a job and the dissatisfaction building in somebody who's doing something that they're not necessarily passionate about so endeavor but we decided to leave off that 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 portion and elevate liberal arts and sciences all right and so what we end up having is a whole bunch of kids not dropping out of high school, not becoming college ready. And then the ones who get there still not college ready. So they drop out of college on a big debt that they cannot pay. Yeah. But uh, Bill Gates and uh, Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of college. Steve Jobs dropped out of college, though. So so so, so why don't they have the opportunity to su succeed? Huh? You know, going off of that previous video that we just watched, like, why can't they succeed after dropping out of college? Why? Why is that? A, why is that an issue for Richard Johnson here? Why would that be an issue for anybody? I just watched a video from PragerU telling me that that, that that's what what I should be doing with my life is I should drop out of college and start a business. It sounds like they're on the right path to success. This doesn't sound like a problem at all, Richard. Yeah. So that leadership <laughs> is number one. It's a cultural yeah. change. Yes. Now, policy side. We have a bill right now, House Bill 1032, that will provide paid apprenticeships and paid internships for the students who are already taking uh, CTE classes. Oh, great. Right? I love that. And so 
No additional money. Only thing it does is it allows the districts to use some of their CTE money to do paid apprenticeships and paid internships. That bill right now just received uh, a date on the calendar last night. Well, you know what happens uh, at the end of this week. Really, time is running out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a sign or die but, week. Yeah. Yeah. But I watched, I watched in the House, on the House floor debate critical race theory, which, which HB 3979 is a great bill, which stops any of our teachers from teaching that one race is superior to another. And then here they're then promoting educational uh, uh, banning. They're, they're, they're um, banning certain forms of education because it doesn't agree with their worldview. So it's very fascinating here that we've gone this long and he's arguing, uh, he's been arguing the case that people should get uh, better education, but their better education should really only be about their success in their careers. If that education comes in any form of critiquing the systems of oppression that we have in this country, well, then all of that should be swept under the rug and banned. Do, do you see the issue here? Like this is this is like uh, this would make Marx cringe. Like Karl Marx would be cringing and ripping his beard out at all of this, and like arguing that the case for the working class to remain in its subjugation, while at the same time eliminating any tools that we would have of uh, analyzing systems of oppression. Like this is um, amazing, honestly. This wow, wow. And that, that's my, my ultimate problem of conservatism is that it just like keeps selling capitalism on people, no matter how much it doesn't work for a lot of, for millions of people, they just keep selling it to you. Capitalism will be fine if you just go to CTE school and you get your plumbing job. And then next thing you know, you're earning a decent enough living where you're getting paid more than a fast food attendant. And boom, you have a more dignified life. Capitalism solved. Amazing. Just amazing stuff here, guys. That's a beautiful bill. They they debated on the House floor seven hours on the House floor, seven hours on the Senate floor. Wow. Right. But then I'm going to end the video here um, because this is an hour long podcast. But I do want to highlight here how Richard Johnson just informed all of us how legislation is very important to getting a lot of access for careers and social and economic mobility for people. Um, The the conservatives are always saying how the private sector is much more uh, capable at uh, helping or managing um, the market forces. But when it comes to the job market force, we have to do some legislative changes and reforms in order to help people succeed. Richard Johnson just argued for that case by promoting that bill. And that's where I'm going to end Talks News right now. Um, find me on Twitter at ToxinPod, T-O-X-N-P-O-D. Um, the Militia Watch is in the description. Like the video if you like it, dislike it if you don't. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, hit the bell. Um, and then uh, follow your uh, true passion, whether that requires school or not. But, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with everybody having access to free college, even community college, which is just the bare minimum. If you can't support people having free access to community college so that they can pursue jobs at a higher level than a cashier at McDonald's, then um, I, I, I don't know what to talk to you about. Thank you for joining me. Peace.
just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but uh, you remain.